Hello, YouTube Live and Facebook Live. My name is AJ Daly. I'm the Northeast Region Youth in Transitions Ministry Director, and this is episode two of The Reach. Amen. I'd like to first welcome my panelists. Thank you for being back, Alric. And I'd like to thank you, Abby, for being here as well. Thank you for the now, invite. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I know that there are young people out there. They want to go outside. They want to go balling. They want to hang out with their friends. But I'm advising you to stay home. Stay home. Don't go out. I know you want to go to the empty mall, but stay home. Okay? So, again, this is the reach. And, you know, with everything that's going on with this pandemic, with COVID-19, I felt it was necessary to have a forum, to have a platform where we can ask questions, we can engage, and we can provide information and encouragement to young people out there. So now today, I have two panelists, and before I introduce them, I want to just start off with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you, we lift you up, and we honor you, and we praise your name. God, I pray right now that you'll be in this conversation, that you'll help guide us, Lord God, and that you'll provide direct instruction for us in this time. God, I pray that you'll speak to the hearts of the young people, that they will understand the seriousness of this pandemic, that they will stay home, spend time with their family, spend time with their loved ones, and get to know their family better. God, have your way in this conversation, and I pray that your will will be done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's first start with Al. Al is the CEO of I Empower. Can you just introduce yourself for the audience? I'm not hearing you too well. Are you hearing me? I don't know all these working. That's better. There right, we go. Let's keep on and come back in our interview. All right. Abby, can you please introduce yourself? Well, as AJ say, I am Abby Amaro Williams or Abigail, but I go by Abby and I am a registered nurse for roughly about 11 years now. And my specialty is oncology nursing over at St. Francis. For those of you that are in the Hartford area, you're probably well familiar with St. Francis. It's been a pillar of the community for a lot of many years. Now they're known as Trinity Health of New England. And I am a Hartford born and raised resident now living in Windsor. Okay. So you practice oncology, right? Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, oncology nursing is primarily is cancer patients. Um, that is my specialty, although we are still considered medical surgical unit. So not only do we take care of cancer patients, but we also do take care of other patients that come in with infections, um, gastritis, any other things that maybe the other units are too full. We take over and we also do a lot of end of life care. So it's kind of a three way story there. Merge surge, end of life, and then specialty is oncology. Got it, got it. And I just want to say, Abby, thank you for your service, especially the fact that you have to go out during this pandemic when you have a family and loved ones. You know, I just want to thank you. Thank you. You guys, I just want everybody to stay safe. This is real. Yeah. Al, it looks like you're back. Yes, I'm back. Ooh, there right. you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, for you, who, those who joined last week, um, so, yeah, my name is Albert Douglas. I'm a school counselor. 
Um, I work um, in a middle school and I also have a company called I Empower, where I work predominantly with young people um, doing empowerment coaching. And I also work in a larger organization just to do team activities, building um, social climate. Um, also have lots of background with social and emotional learning. So I am so grateful to um, AJ to you know, provide this opportunity where we can collaborate and um, empower today's youth as they go through these um, time you know, that are so um, unfamiliar to all of us at this time. So we're all really truly in this together. Amen, amen. So before we get into the questions that we have prepared, uh, we are listening and watching the chat on both Facebook Live and YouTube Live. So if you have any questions, just drop it in the chat and we'll be sure to answer them. Again, if you have any questions, just drop it in the chat and we'll be sure to answer. All right, so let's get started. Let's first, I'd like to know, Abby, what's been your experience so far working in the healthcare field, especially during this pandemic? The atmosphere has completely changed. Um, the morale is up. We are basically cheering each other on as we come in in the morning, but the whole routine has completely changed. It is not a carefree morning. We line up. They are designating certain areas to come in in the morning. As we are coming in, we are lining up six feet apart and we're getting our temperatures taken to make sure you don't have any symptoms. You have your mask on from the moment you touch that door going in until the moment you leave and get back in your car. Um, as far as coworkers go, we're just all trying to support each other and just build each other up and cheer each other on and you can see the stress, you can see the tiredness, and you can see the worriedness, and it's just, it's completely changed. You know, everyone's still socializing, but you're keeping that distance, and it's just kind of weird being in my work environment and having to wear a mask every day, all day, even with your own co-workers, which you know are probably taking the necessary precautions, but just because they are doesn't mean that the people around them are doing that as well. So regardless, you're still protecting yourself from like the third party or the fourth party they might have come in contact from. So it's kind of, it's weird. It's surreal. It's very surreal. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So I'd like to hear from the chat just a little bit. I'd like you to type into the chat, I'm staying home for Abby. <laughs> Please <Just> do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm staying home for Abby. <laughs> Amen. All right. So, Al, I'd like to hear from your perspective as well. What's been your experience as a counselor, as working in the field of mental health? What's been your experience leading up and in this pandemic? Well, um, so my school has been out um, for as long as we have been starting to do social distancing. Um, but I have to work from home. And so, um, instead of running groups in the school or doing individual counseling, I now have to transfer my services to online platforms. So um, we do, we're starting with Zoom and, um, you know, it's just amazing how much resources are still out there to um, engage the students. So I still meet with my students online, do mindfulness exercises, um, do social and emotional building, we play games, we do cahoots, we do, um, Lots of fun stuff, you know. Um, I even see one one activity where kids are playing Uno cards 
so many different places. I mean, I didn't know that that could work. But so we have to be become more creative in our approach. Um, I do have to reach out to families because um, I have students who are you know who are dealing with anxiety before this all happened. Students who are dealing with fear of death before this all happened, and so now I have to sort of support those students inside your home, call and weekly check up on them, and make sure they're fine. So um. You know, this week coming back, we were on break last week, this week coming back is expected to be one of the challenging weeks for us. Um, yeah. Because by this time, the students are already like burnt out with online learning. They are like, you know, so absorbing more now off the dead news. And so, you know, we have already students who are already dealing with separation anxiety. Mm -hmm. Maybe have to start, um, excuse me, working on building them back emotionally to come back into the school building because they fear coming out of their home. Mm, okay. So uh, for the both of you, we're supposed to be practicing social distancing. So I'm curious. So Al, you mentioned a little bit that most of your stuff is online now. I'm assuming like the Zoom sessions or something. Yeah. Can you guys talk about maybe some of the social distancing practices that you guys now have to, to use on your job? I know, Abby, maybe you have to use additional uniform. What's some of the practices that you guys have been using? It's really hard. Um, as far as my coworkers and myself, what we're trying to do is come in. Um, you know, we have like a room that's a computer area. We have computers at the nurses station. We have computers in a conference room. So what we try to do is, okay, you know, I'm going to make this my home base today. So I'm going to wipe all of it down. We wipe everything down regardless, but you know, this is going to be my home base and this is where I'm going to chart. The other person is going to go a couple of computers down. That's going to be their home base. That's where they're going to chart. So we're trying to designate um, computers for each nurses. So we're not jumping from one computer to the next. Um, and those, you know, doctors or PAs that come up to our units to use our computers, because sometimes they visit other patients, you know, we try to designate them to the other area. Um, as far as ourselves, you know, of course, we still chit chat amongst ourselves, but we try to keep a nice distance. It does not work, of course, when you are taking care of patients. There is no such thing as a social distance. And when you're taking care of patients, I can't be six yeah. feet apart from you and listen to your heartbeat at the same time. So with that being said, we just wear our, our masks throughout the whole day in the patient's room, outside the patient's room, even just talking to ourselves. We wear our masks the whole entire time. Got That's got pretty it. much the practice. And Al, can you just talk a little bit about what you've been doing in terms of social distancing? So um, one of my support um, that, uh, that is more uh, important in moving forward is supporting the teachers from a distance as well as the students. So um, mm -hmm. in the distance, I have um, sent out resources to the parents um, on how they can um, have fun activities at home with their um, children because um, this is new for them. You know, they weren't even really, the contact time was not there. So like, you know, I found resources that last out to the district. Um, um, Resources like on a daily, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, like Monday, moving night, and Tuesday, we're going to have like an arts and crafts, and then we're going to build a forge or one of these. So, my role in the district is to help the students to stay emotionally regulated and also to de stress the families, like giving them resources, how to engage, um, you know, just becoming their like personal contact person, just for so, like, students who were in the school system who were, had behavior plans, who we know were, were already reacting to any academic setting. You know, I have to, from my home, and modulate that with parents, how to you know, know when to give them a break or when 
they as parents too need to take a break because of what is going on right now. And like teachers are overwhelmed as well. You know, the parents' anxiety sometimes progress to the teachers, and the teachers get um a bit you know overwhelmed themselves. So you know they they may call checking on my teachers, making sure they're fine, um supporting them however they can. Just a call, just a crack a joke or just see how they're doing. So from a distance I still have to do a lot of engagement. Mm-hmm. It's just level that's um, not in the environment. Got it, got it. And again, I want to point out, if you have any questions, be sure to ask in the chat. We are watching and monitoring the chat on both Facebook Live and YouTube Live. So if you drop in a question, we'll be sure to answer it. So Abby, question. Um, in regards to COVID-19, right, how is it affecting the minority community? Because I've seen some reports where it's it's affecting us more than others. And a lot of people, first there was a news report saying that it's not really affecting us at all. And I don't know if we took that as, you know, that means we can go out and do whatever. But I've been seeing reports where it's been saying that it's affecting our population because of pre-existing conditions that we may have more than others. Can you just talk about that just a little bit? That is true. Um, Being that, you know, minorities, unfortunately, our diets are very different. Um, We have a high number of hypertension, asthma, um, lung issues, cancer, anything. And once you have a pre-existing condition, it's almost like a floodgate. So, and then trying to incorporate social distancing. You have families that are essential workers, but they don't have transportation. So where they're going, they're getting on the city bus. How much can you, you know, social distance yourself on a city bus if it's full? because everyone needs to get to work. So mm-hmm. that kind of, you know, disrupts your social distancing. So now you're being exposed. You have families and I've taken care of patients where they have absolutely no one to help them. So now you have some elderly patients or just elderly people in general who have issues already with their health, but now they are forced to go out and go and do the shopping for themselves. So now they're exposing themselves to the population and there goes social distancing out the window. And people who aren't practicing good hand hygiene are putting these people at risk. Um, Other factors are just people not following people. Some people just think that, you know, I'm young and I'm invincible and, you know, it doesn't hit home until it actually really affects their family. And unfortunately, it's not, you know, proof is in the pudding, as they say. And that's what we're trying to avoid. Got it. Um, Until it gets really close to home, then people will realize, and it is getting closer. It is getting much more closer than what people are realizing. And I'm starting even to notice on social media, now it's like someone who knew someone who, you know, has it or passed away. So it's like, okay, you know, six degrees of separation is a true factor. And eventually it's going to come close. And then that's when people will start saying, okay, we really do need to make a change. The change is now. The time is now. Yeah. I yeah. know it's hard for people that are taking public trans, you know, transportation, but just wear your mask. You know, if you're going to wear gloves, use them properly. That doesn't mean you wear them and touch everything. And then you go and you touch this and you touch that. You have to take them off. You have to hand sanitize. Gloves will not replace hand sanitizing hand washing, and just get some hand sanitizer. If you don't have hand sanitizer, go, hey, we always make do improvised rubbing alcohol. Carry it with you. Do something. 
it'll make a difference. Yeah, yeah. So just to be clear, we are not immune to COVID-19, correct? Absolutely not. No one is. No yeah. one is. Yeah, yeah. Good no to know. Is. So if you heard that, we are not immune. So it doesn't matter um, your skin color, it doesn't matter your background, we are all susceptible to COVID-19, which is even more reason why we should be staying home. So the next question I have is for both of you guys, and we can discuss it a little bit. What advice would you give some young people who uh, are bored at home during this pandemic and basically they wanna go outside, hang out with their friends? What advice would you give them and to encourage them to really just stay home and do what they're supposed to be doing as we've been, as we've been instructed? All right, first, all right. Um, so some of my um, strategies that I um, have been using for myself or have used in the past or um, known about through studies, um, when you're going through boredom, the opposite side of that could be you tapping into your creative place, right? And so when I talk to young people about um, overcoming boredom, I, I, I ask them, what are you good at doing? Because when you can tap into your creativity, then boredom tends to go subside, right? And so some of the things that young people could do is um, start thinking about what are some of the resources the world would need after this is all over. And that's where you start becoming creative. When you tap into the need, then you are also tapping into your creativity. And so if you're home right now and you're always one of those persons who want to be a millionaire or want to be like, you know, have like a nice house in California and like, you know, have a house on the beachfront, this is a good time to start tapping into your creativity and be ahead of the other side of this because there are going to be different job needs. Careers are going to change, right? It's already changing right now that I'm doing counseling in my home. So things are going to change after this that are going to require your resources, right? Um, recently, I... Um, I'm connecting my students to this website called um, coding.org. And so a lot of what we do right now behind the scene is um, operating from the coding world. And that is where we have um, engineers, computer engineers who are busy writing codes. Even um, technology for vaccination for COVID-19 or um, other resources that the world would need after, they're all going to happening through a background coding experience. And so the government has this website called code.org where you can find some time going on now and learn to do coding. Because after this, you could find yourself being naturally and develop applications that are working immediately. Okay. I like that. I like that. Abby, what would you give them as advice? A young person, they want to stay home. They don't want to stay home. They want to go out. What advice would you give them to encourage them to stay home? Well, on a serious point one advice is before you run out the door and you're socializing and engaging think of your grandparents that's one advice think of your grandparents or think of your auntie the whoever you're hanging with if they have they can be asymptomatic and i think that's what people are not realizing that some people can carry this virus and not have any symptoms and not realize it so before you step out the door and you want to go hang out with Eddie, Frank, John, Joshua, whoever, just think of the fact that one of them can possibly carry this virus and you can probably catch it and bring it back home 
to your aunt, to your grandparents, to your own parents, and not even realize it. So just think of your family first before you start thinking of your boredom. And if you're a person who needs to have, um, you know, human contact, create your own, um, what is that, book, your reading book group. Instead of a book, then make a, create a chat. Pick a movie, you guys watch the movie, and then everybody goes into the chat room and discuss some, some movie points or what their perspective was on that. Just become creative. There's Everyone always likes to play games. You can be, you can play games. Everyone has about the same game board or the game on their phone. Create a group with that. You know, compete with that. Or pick up cooking. There's a whole lot of videos on cooking. That's one thing that they took away from the schools is economics. Hardly these kids don't know how to cook anymore. Be creative. Do that. You can. There's so many things that people can do, you know, to, to occupy their time. And if you really need to sit, you know, go outside, then just have a seat on your steps or go yeah. in the backyard and get some fresh air. But do absolutely not just try to minimize engaging. I don't realize it. Um, I just heard of a 28, 29-year-old who passed away in Waterbury. Wow. And he, I mean, that's that's young. His service is coming up. I'm not sure exactly when, but the only way that people can attend the funeral is by driving up, and that's it. They cannot get out of their cars. They cannot go up to the burial site. They have to drive by, pretty much sit in their car, and then drive off. So this is real. This is really real. It is. It is. Abby, I want to ask you just to rephrase that a little bit. If you were a mom speaking to your child who is bugging you to go out and hang out with their friends, what would you tell them? Speak to, speak to us from a mom perspective. Honestly, I've always been straightforward with my kids. Um, my girls are older and I've never really held back. I would honestly, not, not to scare them, but I would honestly, you know, sit down and tell them that this is not a joke that people's lives are in danger. Um, you know, there was actually a perfect demonstration on Facebook where I think it was pepper she put in water or something. And mm. then she actually had them put their hands and, you know, the pepper or whatever it was didn't move. But then she put, um, I think it was like soap. And then she put their hand in the water and the pepper just scattered away. So the pepper was signifying the bacteria. So I think some kids need a visual to understand how bacteria truly works. And yep, I would just yep. tell them, you know, you know, when you get sick, you know, do you feel good when you're sick? No, every kid feels crappy. So just imagine I'm not with you when you're feeling sick now because I have to leave you. And I think people don't understand that, that these people who are sick are not having family by their side. There is no one to come and visit. No one can even regular patients at my hospital cannot have a visitor. Only the people that are end of life can have a visitor or IC um, NICU um, babies can have a visitor and it's one at a time. But regular patients, there's no one visiting them, much less a COVID patient has no visitor at all. So mm. I think people need to realize, you know, young kids, I don't know, it's hard for me, AJ, to really think about that now because my kids are so older now. <laughs> <laughs> so times have really changed on how I can keep them. But I've always just been really honest with them. I mean, I think Alric will be the one to know how to respond to a younger child. Um, mm -hmm. I, me personally, I, I'll scare them. So I don't know if that's the way to go. <laughs> but you got to be as honest and as tactful as you can be without 
honestly sugarcoating it because they need to understand the severity and the times that we're living in now. So, mm -hmm. and just be creative, find things to do in the house, you know, and I know that some people are struggling as far as, you know, um, they may not have the means or what have you, but you can get creative with just regular pen and paper and crayons and what have you. And you try to make light of the situation as much as you can and entertain them. Amen. So you heard it from a nurse and from a school counselor. Stay home. And I got to admit, I agree with both of you guys. I was watching MSNBC this morning and there was a doctor, Dr. Davison, that was really just encouraging people, especially in the minority population, to stay at home. And he gave some statistics that were interesting. He said, basically, four out of five people who have COVID-19 show no symptoms. So they could be visiting their grandparents, visiting their parents, and they're sharing the disease with them. And, you know, those who are older are more at risk. So without even knowing it, you could be hurting your own family intentionally. So I would exactly. I definitely would agree that you have to yeah. stay home. I, I, Okay, but let's chime in a little bit. Um, one of the things that um, should drive some common sense approach to this whole thing is that there is no vaccination available right now. Mm -hmm. If you get um, um, COVID-19, you're pretty much on your own fighting the symptoms until they figure this out or until it leaves your body, right? And um, they're still trying to figure out if you had it, if it can even come back in the future. You're not, the research is ongoing. And so, not having to deal with all the uncertainty of being sick now, recover and be re and become sick again. These are things that I don't want to think about. So um, I'm going to um, maybe um, be looked at as weird, but um, I, we decided to save the plan for our home, right? And mm -hmm. that only one person goes out at a time, right? We don't, we're family of four, but we're not going out all at once. And that was just a control um the inside right um yeah. and the outside environment so you know it takes it you know it, it was like days now i haven't gone outside because you know i have to protect my younger kids right and when it's time for you know for my turn to go on that rotation that my wife and i have then i have to stay protecting them so that when i come in they don't be all around me and you know they don't go in the grocery bags when we come in from the market we have like the whole protocol in the home where we come in, we put the bags down, we take the stuff out, we clean them off with Lysol or wipes we have, we put them in one area, then take a shower, clean up, and then we're all back again. And so I had to speak that routine to my children. Mm -hmm. When mama comes home, and not everybody's running. You there, Al? Looks like we lost them a little bit. But I would yeah. definitely agree with him. So our routine is it's only one at most two of us that will go out to do grocery shopping. And as soon as we come back, even before we go out, we'll lay out clothes to change. So as soon as we come through the door, we take off all our clothes, put on the clothes that we're changing into. And then we come inside, leave the clothes right at the door so that we can put them in the laundry separate from everything. And then we go straight to the bathroom, take a shower and then change into another pair of clothes. And it might seem like it's extra, but from what I've heard, and Abby, you can you know chime in or correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I've heard is this virus can live on surfaces for hours, sometimes up to 24 hours. Am I right about that? Um, some of it has shown even a couple of days, depending yeah. on what type of surface it is. 
So it, it's it, this is something new. Um, this is not the flu. This is not the measles. This is something totally new that these scientists and doctors and so forth are dealing with and getting to know. Um, the only thing that's up and coming right now that they're trying to do is that if you were um, corona, COVID positive and you um, were treated for it and you recovered from it, that you have built up the antibodies. So what they're trying to do now is those people who have built up the antibodies is try to pull the plasma of the antibodies from them to then go ahead and try to use that to a patient who is COVID positive with the same blood typing to help them build up the antibodies versus the vaccine is you didn't have any antibodies and your body was trying to help fight that, you know, the flu or whatever it was. So they're trying to do something a little bit more quicker with using the plasma form. But once again, that's still being studied, it's still being worked through. So we're still a long ways from from having, you know, a true way to, you know, counteract this. And as Alric said before, okay, you got it, you recovered, but who's to say you can't get it again? And you may have antibodies, but, you know, will it fight it off again or will your antibodies weak? Or will the COVID mutate and become something else? You just don't know. Yeah, yeah. So, Abby, I'm curious, what is your routine when you're coming home? So you've been in a hospital no. all day treating people. What is your routine? I mean, I'm just curious to know. If I can light my uniform on fire, I would. Um, <laughs> um, when I'm leaving, I have to cross over a bridge to get to the garage. So before I even cross over the bridge, I wipe down my sneakers. Um, I have my typical jacket and my uniform that I do for work. Um, usually my husband's home before I am. So I park in the in my garage and as soon as I get to the door, everything comes off. It goes in a plastic bag and I go straight to the shower and from head to toe. Even if I worked the day before and I washed my hair, I washed it again. And while I'm doing that, he's got his gloves on and he's in my car and lifesawing and sanitizing him, the, the steering wheel and everything else that he can get his hands on. So that's pretty much the routine. I mean, I have coworkers that live in condo areas and if the neighbor gets a show, the neighbor gets a show. They're stripping down right at the door before they go in and leave the shoes outside the door. I mean, it's the only way. And then honestly, mentally, it's like, did I get everything? Did I cover everything? Did I miss a spot? Like you just, it really affects you. Um, I personally was tested for COVID um, because I did come in contact with a patient who I gave treatment to, and then um, she ended up coming back positive about a week or two later. So they covered their bases and I had to get um, tested myself. So it'll play a mental game just waiting for that result in itself. And just getting the test done was just a little, little anxiety with that, yeah. um, but you know, I prayed on it and, you know, he, he came through. So, Man, amen. but exactly. But you just never know. You never know. You know, like we said before, people are, can carry it and you just don't know. So just because I came back negative, you know, I don't have a super cape and say, okay, I can go out in the world. Nope. On my days off, I'm still in the house. So th that's how it has to be. 
food and doctor's appointment. That's it. Yeah. I can only imagine, you know, just being a healthcare worker, what you'd have to go through. Because often, especially nurses, they're, they have to practice bedside manner, right? The patient's probably worried, you know, they're stressed out and you really have to, you know, give them an assurance that, you know, things will be okay. You know, at least that, you know, you're here to support them the best way you can. So I can only imagine what you sort of have to go through knowing that you're dealing with these patients day in, day out, you know, and the fear that, you know, you might catch it. Yeah. Well, we kind of got blessed too on my unit because we are an oncology unit. We have immunosuppressant patients, which means they have no defense. They cannot fight off the common cold. Mm. Um, so with being that my job took the effect of not having any COVID positive patients on my unit, and if you are suspected of having it and you need to get tested, you are getting moved off my unit. Um, I don't know how long we're gonna be able to hold that off for. I think eventually we may have to split our unit in half um, and may use it for people who are suspected, but we're trying our best so we don't put our oncology patients you know, in jeopardy. And um, that's another thing I wanted to bring to light um, as far as you know, people going out in public and so forth, you don't know if that person is wearing a mask just because, you know, they want to protect themselves from COVID. But at the same time, most of my cancer patients often would wear a mask regardless when they went out because they have no defense. Their white blood count is absolutely zero. There's nothing there to help them fight off anything. So just think of that when, you know, you guys are walking around and laughing and congregating. Somebody could be walking by you and just had treatment a week or two ago because mm -hmm. the treatments are still continuing. We're not stopping. Yep. People are still fighting other life-threatening diseases that we need to take care of. So I think our young folks don't really put all the puzzles and the pieces together and realize that it's a bigger picture. It's bigger than them. Yeah. Hmm. And question. So what diseases would you say have where people have no defense right so i think you mentioned cancer what are the types of diseases so you know if we have a loved one you know especially who might have cancer or one of those diseases um we would be now more alert knowing that if our loved one catches it they have no defense against the virus what are some of those diseases asthma is truly number one it doesn't even matter if you used your pump only once a day or you rarely use your pump you have asthma, you are very susceptible to getting this COVID and it can just run rampant in your system. Um, diabetes is another, mm. that's another big one. Um, some people are saying hypertension. I just haven't seen the link, so I can't really speak on that one too much. Mm -hmm. um, but I know that the top, those are really the top ones is um, diabetes and asthma. Um, of course, dialysis patients because your blood is, you know, being flushed through and process through. So, you know, that will kill off some of your cells as well. Um, what else can I think of at this moment? I think that's about it that I can think of right now. Um, wow. And of course, the elderly, just the elderly in general, yep. they become fragile. So it's interesting because initially I had mentioned cancer. So when I'm thinking of diseases with no defense, I'm thinking, you know, like the worst of the worst, right? What we would call diseases. But it sounds like even if you have a child or a parent, someone that just has asthma, they're at risk. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yes. Wow. See, Absolutely. 
I'm a believer, right? I'm a child of God, right? And I believe that we need to do what we need to do to stay home, to beat this curve so that we can, you know, allow the, the, the virus to die down to the point where at some point we can then come back out and, and begin to talk and fellowship with each other. And the fact that you're telling me that something as simple as asthma could have someone with no defense against this virus. You know, my son has struggled with asthma when he was younger. And, you know, that's, that's, that's something that's resonating with me. In fact, yeah, it, and, you know, it enters into your lungs and it will take over. Yeah. So you've heard that something as simple as asthma, someone mm-hmm. who has just asthma can be affected. So I want you guys to write into the chat. I'm staying home. I'm a believer, but I'm staying home. We have to bend this curve. We have to bend this curve. So let me jump to the next question. And while I'm asking the next question, I just want to remind everyone in the chat room uh, on Facebook Live and on YouTube, if you have a question, please uh, bring it out. Um, ask that question through the chat, through the comments, and we will be sure to answer it. All right. So the question I have is how often should we go out for a doctor's appointment, for, for groceries? Should it be every week, every two weeks? What's the guideline as to how often we should be going out? I don't think they really set a guideline. I've, I mean, absolutely. Your doctor's appointment. I mean, if it's something urgent, then go ahead. Um, I know my dental area, I missed my, actually my dental cleaning. They are not even rescheduling at this point. Um, it's not urgent. Only urgent, true urgent appointments should be attended to. As far as groceries, mm-hmm. if you can get as much as you can to limit your, you know, your outings, get as much as you can. Um, my husband and I, we try to work it out. You know, I go out, um, I get what I can. I mean, we all, I think, experience that some of the stuff you can't find. Yeah. Um, so sometimes I'll let him know, hey, you know, when you get out of work, you know, you try that area and see if you can find it there. Um, and if not, then we'll make do without it. But we try to limit as much as we can. I think once a week will be great. Once every two weeks, if you can pull it off. I know it's hard for a lot of people, though. Um, yep. But the more you can limit your exposure, the better. Yep. Um, there's three of us in the house. There's really, you know, no way of limiting that. He works. I work. My um, daughter also, you know, she works, although she's working from home, but she still needs to attend um, the military base. But, you know, they're doing their protective stuff over there. So yep. we just try to limit as much as we can. Got it. And Al, so what's been your routine? How often do you like if you're going to the grocery store or doctor's appointment? What's been the pattern that you've been following? Well, um, so I, I kind of go with what Abby's Ab saying, that we have a two-week window at maximum, so we do grocery shopping in that two-week window so we don't have to go outside um, a lot. Um, as a mental health person, I am always uh, mindful of um, self-regulation. So some people do need to go outside and walk for a little for their mental state, right? And um, I'm, big on, I'm a big advocate for mental health because... Um, you know, trauma is a, is, is a big part of what we're doing right now and what we're experiencing. And um, I just want to like, um, I'm not sure if I'm going to head up your next question, but I just want to um, to also allow um, parents to understand that we have to give our young people the permission to feel, mm-hmm. right? 
And what do I mean by permission to feel is that you have to allow them to um to, to tell you how they're feeling. Like so, you know, mom, I'm really feeling stressed out. I feel like I'm gonna lose my mind, and uh, I feel like I'm blown up inside. Um, let's go for a quick five minute walk, right? Yeah. We we can't have those quality conversation because um, trauma affects each of us in different ways. So mm-hmm. what may be traumatic to you, you know, you could survive staying in the home for um a whole year. Some people need to be outside once a month, right? So we have to understand that we have different survival mode and survival ability for different traumatic experiences. And um, think about what young people are going through right now is that even though we're an advocate for them to go outside, we also we want to advocate for them to tell us all their feelings. So I think that um, in the midst of all the, the, the boredom, we can have conversations. So like, for example, um, every now and then I check with my kids, how are you guys feeling? Uh, I mean, um, do you miss your teacher? Mm-hmm. Do you miss your friends? And I mean, and uh, how do you feel about this whole Corona thing? You know, is it, are you sad about what's going on? Because they are aware that people are dying. They see the news and they hear it all over it. I mean, so, you know, that for some people is a very hard thing to process. Like, you know, and I have to check in with my kids to see, um, to see if they are having any fear of death themselves. So, you know, you have to, Give your child permission to feel. They have to allow you. You have to allow them to come to you and say, "Mom, I'm scared. You know, I feel something in my throat. Last night made my my lungs felt a little bit uncomfortable." And give them a chance to come to you. So what happens is that when young people see as if they are being shut down from expressing themselves, what happens is that they internalize the pressure, and so they could just be feeling symptomologies of coronavirus. Mm. What happens is that it's been suppressed because they don't get a permission to feel. And so we have mm-hmm. to let them have the permission to feel. If they want to go outside for five minutes, set a timer and say, you know what, I'm going to give you five minutes to go outside and walk. Yeah. You know, you know, you know, take a breathe, ride it back around the corner, do what you have to do, come back in five minutes. And then prepare them with the safety precautions, give them the gloves, give them the mask, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, we don't win keeping them inside the home right throughout. You know, we can't set parameters. You know, we can't we have our, our own little system work for us because in the end, we don't want to have a world of traumatized people when this is all over. Yeah, yeah. And one thing that I've been doing is we try and do activities with our kids. So we've been playing like just dance and dancing in the living room, just different things to sort of bond together and to get them excited. And we have two questions in the chat. One is from Emma Campbell, and she's asking, how do you know that you are free from it when you get it? So let's say you've contracted the virus and you've done all the proper things, and how do you know at what point that you're free from the virus and you can then begin to be with your loved ones again? Because normally if you have the virus, you have to quarantine yourself. So how do you know when you're free? Typically it's um, when your fevers are stopping. Um, They say 48 hours, some people are saying 72 hours. I mean, obviously you have been tested, you know you had it from a doctor, they will follow up with you to make sure that you are symptom free and that you have um, basically combated the virus. So that's something that will be followed up with an MD. Got it, got it. And we have another question from Garcia Elliston and she's asking, have you seen people with asthma recover from COVID? And then the second question along with that is, does taking vitamin C help to fight the virus or does it help you to fight the virus better if you get it? I have not heard of any research with vitamin C. I don't think there's any rhyme or reason to this virus. It just comes full force. 
as far as anyone surviving me personally i have not been over to the COVID unit we are trying to keep them segregated from the um the other side as far as the hospital goes so i personally don't know if anyone has truly recovered who has asthma from it so that's something i don't know offhand i would have mm -hmm. to ask you know some of my peers that are honestly my heroes that my co-workers are on that COVID unit and have to deal with all of that um i my hat i tip my hats off to them i know i'm a nurse but that is a totally different world we have our own issues on our units you know coming in and going but i really tip my hat off to them and what they're dealing with but um i just that part i do not know but i just know that asthma is a big factor got it my best friend has asthma and i made the trip to unionville and brought her two n95 masks and left it for her so because she has appointments she needs to go to so I just made sure that she was protected because she has a severe bad case of asthma where she actually really tightens up and can't really breathe. So, you know, that was my love to her. It's a, yep. it's a mask. <laughs> and I'm sure she's grateful for that. Yes, she is. So. <laughs> All right. We have one more question in the chat from Renee Lovely Ear Erlington. And Al, I'd like you to answer this question first. How do you navigate this conversation with younger children who may or may not completely understand this virus? Hmm. Well, um, with any conversation with a child, you first want to test what they know. And so what happens is that um, we have to be the one who have the conversation in the accurate manner. Sometimes they, they have what we call um, in the false narrative of what's really going on. And um, what I do when I'm working with younger kids, even in my school, um, I navigate the conversation um, around what they know, right? So first, you know, checking with your child and ask them what they understand. If they don't understand anything, then you want to be as, as honest as possible to the level of, of experience that they can handle, right? And so I, I may not say everything in a, to create more problems in terms of more mental health challenges that they're going to have all the anxiety and the fear but what you want to do is to tell them um why we are taking these measures so what i often do is connect your response to a reality right um so we first start by saying okay you know when people wash their hands and, and do proper hygiene it helps all of us to keep safe right and mm -hmm. so it's all on the age group of your child. So you start from the basics, right? So, and then you, you say it's all about what their, their awareness. If your child is not aware, you may not want you may want to guide them as to the level of awareness and exposure. That that should guide the amount of, of information you feed onto them, right? Um, and so if they get in contact with the fact that people are dying, um, you may have to find some YouTube have all these like social stories that will help you to understand um, these tragic experiences and um, and empower them afterwards that, you know what, um, this isn't happening in my house, it's in our house, right? So it's not that you're being glorified about it, but you want to create a safe space for the child. So you can say, I know that you're aware that people are dying, but so far, be honest, be transparent. All of us in the house have maybe um, showing no signs or symptoms. Nobody here is going to die. We are not going to catch this virus. No, we're trying to stay safe. And we and, and be empathetic as well. You know, say, you know, my heart goes out for the families that are dying. You know, we're very sad about it. And if you're sad, 
we understand you can decide to because you know no one should see anybody going to a loss. But I want to assure you that where we are right now, we are doing all the right things to stay safe and in doing the right things by by practicing the social distancing and the proper hygiene. What we're doing is that we are protecting people like Abby and other people who are on the front line being exposed to these kind of conditions. So you want to make it move from the, the specific to the general. Got it. Got it. All right. So let's let's jump to the next question. So can you describe what happens when someone goes to the hospital with the virus? So Abby, imagine someone is um, going to the hospital. What are the procedures that they that happen when they get there? What should they expect when they get to the hospital? Oh, um, it's going to probably happen fast or maybe not, depending on what the workflow is. But just know that once you are tested or suspected, Whoever came with you to the hospital, you will not see them. Um, your family's not allowed to come visit you. You will be transferred to what we are considering the COVID unit. And you will be basically in the room with the door closed at all times. And you will be monitored and, of course, treated appropriately, depending what your symptoms are. Um, you will barely ever see your, um, your nurse or your doctor's face. Um, you will see eyes, but mm -hmm. because of what we, you know, the PPE that needs to be worn, you know, it's going to, it's going to feel impersonal, but they will try to make it as pleasant as possible. Um, those that are tech savvy have a little bit more, um, I could say, not so much a better experience, but a little bit easier because they can at least video chat and FaceTime or what have you with, you know, their friends or their families. Uh, but just imagine a grandmother who's like 80 years old and she has a, a go phone, you know, like she just has no video. She has no contact with no one in the family except, you know, for a phone call. So mm -hmm. it's all just over the phone voice um, until you actually respond to medication and are better and are not having any fevers whatever the guidelines they're using, then you are discharged. And that's when you will see your family again. Got it. And Adrian, there's a quick um, insert here. And mm -hmm. this is what Abby says. <clears throat> One of the reasons why we have to um, be boredom is that on the other side of your house is kind of an experience of boredom that is not the one that you want. You know, mm -hmm. at least in your house, you're able to play, play your video games, you're able to tap, um, you know, and talk to your family and your friends. But picture what she just explained. You're walking in a place because of poor um, discipline towards the pandemic experience we're all going through. And what happens now, you're not finding yourself in isolation that is unfriendly. You don't get to play video games. You're not gonna have a maybe TV screen and maybe by the time you get there, you're, you're so compromised. Maybe you can't even eat your own food. You know what I mean, you know, you're, you have tubes and all these things supporting you. You know, you can't be comfortable with your own self. You know, you don't get to take a hot shower. You don't get to go and, 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 and chat with a friend on FaceTime. You know what I mean, because the poor choices we make, and I'm not saying everybody who catch the virus made poor choices, but mm -hmm. I'm saying that how that we understand what we're dealing with, we have a responsibility now to, you know, let the healthcare workers do their job, lower the, at, at the office of visits so they can really monitor these patients very, very delicate as they could. But 
if we're going to beat Fordham, we have to understand that going outside is not going to win it all the time. Mm-hmm. Being outside and being undisciplined and, and doing what you want, you're not winning that way because you're going to find yourself in a hospital room with a closed door where you're going to be alone. And that's boredom that you can't mitigate. Yeah, yeah. And have you guys noticed any, like in Connecticut, in New Jersey, have you noticed any young people who have contracted the virus? Well, here in New Jersey, um, we haven't heard um, about like teenagers per se, but I guess there have been like one public cases where an entire family of four um, got mm-hmm. infected. But um, when I look at a national scale, um, you can watch CNN, you see on CNN that what happened is that recently a father died and the mother and the young daughter contracted the virus and they were both on national TV. And based on my eyes shot, the daughter, that daughter looked like maybe like 11 or 10. And so it tells us that if, you know, even today my wife and I were watching this baby that was um, delivered and when the baby was born, they had to immediately put on a protective screen over the baby's face so that there's no transmission. And that's not what we were used to. We were used to in the past when the baby comes from the womb, we hung the baby, we were able to cuddle and, and, and be at one and bonding. Think about the bonding experience that is being removed right now from parent and mother, how they can't get that initial moment of bonding with their child anymore because now all these precautions must be taken even at the birth to make sure that we don't have a transmission or infection of a child. So young people are being affected, babies are being affected more, and it's really you know, impacting family circles a lot. Got it, got it. And Abby, what's been... What um, I haven't personally come in contact with anyone who's young, but I have some co-workers that do work at children. Um, and my understanding, I think the child was about six or nine who actually passed away and was COVID positive. Oh, wow. And yes, and it was, um, it was very hard for them to deal with that. Um, and just the whole procedure on how they had to go about with dealing with it. Um, you know, when we call a code, you know, everyone just rushes in and, you know, you just, you know, do what you have to do for the patient. Now it's not rushing in anymore. You actually have to stop and gown up and put all this protective gear on before you can even enter the room to try to start taking care of this patient. So now it's a matter of, trying to be safe and then at the same time trying to be diligent and quick enough to get in there to start interacting and start taking care of this patient to do the what you can as much as possible to make sure you don't lose this patient. But, you know, a gown, goggles, a mask, two masks sometimes, gloves, the whole headgear, you know, I don't think people realize that it takes a lot of time to put these things on. Mm-hmm. And even just taking it off takes them out the same amount of time because it's not like you're just ripping things off. There's a system to it on how to try to take things off and not touch something again to come out because you can't come out of these rooms with these gowns. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole process on taking these things off. So I know the girls at Children's are, are dealing with a lot over there as well. Um, that's the only true case that I know about around that age. I think it was about six or nine. Got it. Got it. I've heard of a study where it said that up to 70 percent of young people are not staying home. Abby, what would you tell that young person who absolutely refuses to stay home? Oh, Lord. (laughs) Why? I just don't understand what is so important. Like, why? I 
I don't understand. They don't realize it until, oh, their friend or their homie now died of it. Oh, so now you understand. And I just don't, I don't, just stay home. There's nothing that important to risk your life over. And I get it. I get it. And I feel bad for them. They're still, they're stripped away from school. They're stripped away from prom. And those that graduation, I get it. You're not going to cross that stage. And that's one of the most monumental moments of your life. You know, if, if the boyfriend or the girlfriend can't understand why you can't come out, then they're not meant for you. Just stay home. Stay home. If you're going to be in a good relationship, it should be a healthy relationship. Support each other. FaceTime. If, if they can't understand that, then it's not meant to be. <laughs> Just stay home. <laughs> There's nothing more important than your health and your family's health. I could say this. If you love yourself enough, stay home. If you don't have that much love for yourself or respect for yourself, respect your family, love your family, and stay home. I can't stress it enough. Just stay home. It is coming. It is here. It is here. It has reached. I agree, Abby. I think think, um, this is one of the times where um, parenting has to be effective. Um, and um, someone has to be the adult. Um, so exactly. Hopefully I'm not coming off as a stern parent. I have two girls and they, I go to tea parties. I'm very soft-hearted. Don't think I'm really a hard parent. But in times like these, somebody has to be the adult in the home. Mm-hmm. So if teenagers who are not going to be abusant, that's okay. Wherever you're going, you can be quarantined here for 14 days. This is the starting point. Wherever you're going, so if the other parent want to take the responsibility, you guys maybe let's just decide it because you can't allow that child in discipline to, re- to infect so many other innocent people in their home, like grandma and mm-hmm. grandpa, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or yourself, right? And so, you know, in these times, you have to get um, help from other stakeholders. You know what I mean, like, you know, it's just not fair that a child knowing that if they go out, they can come back and reinfect the entire family and really just want to compromise everyone's health. Because to be honest, there's no vaccination right now. There's no medication. And for those people who have gone through this virus or were going through it, I know people who are going through it and it is vicious. Mm-hmm. They have severe chills at night time. They are shaking. They lost their appetite. They can't move around. They are so weak. Their lungs feel that it's collapsing. I'm on the phone sometimes at 1 a.m. trying to keep people mental, mental, young people, young guy who I was working with last week, just to keep him mentally alert, mentally alert, so he could fight the virus in his body. And so you have to understand that it's just more than just having fun. When you come back in the home, what you, what you and your family members have to go through is that no other. And sometimes when I'm seeing AJ in families is that this virus spreads. Mm. If it's one person in the home has it, 10 times to one, it's going to be like four more people in the home. We have more people there, right? So yeah. it, it, it really multiplies. It really multiplies. And so you have to understand that you're not going to come back and be like in quarantine on your own. By the time you get to realize you're sick, your entire family is already infected. And that's what's exactly. not fair. Mm. That's what's not fair. I mean, so like I said, Abby, the girlfriend should understand that, you know what? If we're going to really get to that wedding that we are planning right now and want to get married and live happily ever after, we didn't survive this pandemic to get married after. That's right. right. Exactly. And, uh, and, oh. and, and we have to talk through reality therapy. And I mean, that, you know, we have all these technologies. We have Zoom, we have FaceTime, you know, we're going to still be here. Exactly. <laughs> Honestly, 
here. To be honest, kind of feel like a little bit comical. Some of these guys don't have a good haircut right now. Some of you guys don't have your eyebrows shaved. You're like, you know, you're trying to stay cute. So this is not even the time to be out there trying to be like attractive or be super cool. You need to be like hiding all the, the hair that is a, is a mess and just stay away from all that, that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. If this is a tie you're trying to be cute and cool, you know you're not looking cute and cool. I don't feel like I feel I'm struggling with my facial hair and everything right now on my own. And so, like, you know, just realize that, you know, this is not a time to be cute and cool. You know, we get it. You now we're all in a tough place right now. We have to get through together. And if we're going to get to our dreams, we have to get past this moment. Yep, yep. So, Albert. But I think what they, real quick, I just wanted to interject real quick. I don't think they realize, too, how how lucky and blessed that they are yes they have so much technology imagine them in our shoes when we were growing up we didn't have this no we didn't have this we only had a phone yeah and probably still rotary yeah and if you and you better have been lucky and blessed if your parents even allowed them to to subscribe to two-way calling remember that aj mm -hmm. you yep. had to initiate two-way and not every family had two-way <laughs> calling so now the line is busy so now you got to do an emergency breakthrough to get to the other person just to let them know you're calling yep. like you have video phones you have video chat zoom skype you have all of this technology and they are so lucky they didn't come from the time that we came where it was just a call and that was it. Yeah. And you better have, and hopefully you had a phone. People had beepers and had to go to a pay phone. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you guys are so lucky. These kids need to use the technology they have to their advantage. Socialize Definitely. later when we're all in the clear. It Definitely. can wait. Yeah. So Al, <laughs> this question is for you. I mean, it's Easter weekend, right? And mm -hmm. Easter weekend, I remember being excited about going to church, seeing the big celebration, seeing all your friends. How can you encourage some young people who are a bit down about the fact that they won't be able to celebrate Easter the way they're used to? Well, oh, this goes to me, Alric, because <laughs> I was excited I was off. <laughs> well, to be honest, um, if you're only worried about this Easter, I wonder what's gonna happen next Easter. Because what happens after this will be nothing that we have ever experienced before. So my, my, my encouragement will be, let's get through this Easter. Let's get through this moment. The world is going to change rapidly. Last night, I was doing my research, and I realized that Apple and Google are currently, while you are being bored and not using your time wisely, Apple and Google are developing technology where we're going to start tracking people through our cell phones. Mm -hmm. What happens is that people who have tested positive for the virus are going to have a ping on their phone. That's what they're saying. You can Google it. It's out there. And what happens is that if I come around you, it seems as if my phone is going to start vibrating if I get nearby somebody who has coronavirus. And so wow. we don't have a vaccination yet. And if we're going to go on a severe, it's happening in China, it's happening in Russia already. If we're going to go on a severe monitoring, right? Mm -hmm. And if have to deal with this virus for a longer time to the extent that they are developing technology. Companies that were, were enemies of each other, companies that traded against each other in the marketplace are now using their resources to find a way of making sure they can track this thereafter. And so my, my encouragement would, would be, let's get past this Easter first, because I'm telling you, the next Easter may not look like anything we've ever seen in our lifetime ever again. Yep. 
And so I don't want you to raise your anxiety of young people to think that, oh, I can't wait to get back to normal. What normal is right now would not be what normal would be thereafter. Sit tight. No. Exactly. And I'll, mm-hmm. I can attest. So obviously, you know, I work in technology, right? And I work in emerging technologies. And I've seen several articles and even news reports mm-hmm. that from Florida, those who were doing spring break in Florida, they already have an app and local law enforcement and, and governments have been using it to track all of the spring breakers from Florida to see where they went. Like they literally have it mapped out on a map exactly mm-hmm. where they went and how the virus spread. And they can literally track it. So that's already being broadcasted. That's already, it's not even like a conspiracy. Right. Reports on it, you know? So it's definitely happening. So before we end, I wanted to just ask you guys something. So hold on one second. So now imagine you're going, you're getting ready to go to the store. And this is what I read from the Surgeon General. He basically told us, that you gotta wear a mask like this oh my whenever gosh. you go out. So my question is, and what I've done is we've used handkerchiefs. We can't find bandanas anywhere in stores. So what I've done is we used to even take just a, a little towel, right? A washed rag and just put it over like this. Mm-hmm. So Abby, should we be doing this? As goofy as I may look, should we be doing this when we're going out? You know what? If it minimizes the risk, absolutely. The better test is when you have it on, take a lighter or something in front of you and blow. If you can blow it out, it's not protecting you. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are getting creative. I saw a woman make a mask out of ankle socks because wow. it's stretching and it went around there. Yeah, people are getting very creative. I mean, I've been... I don't like wearing a mask. I have to wear it all day at work, but I'm going to go out. I'm going to have my mask on as well. It is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if, if you care and you're not a selfish person, you will wear your mask. All right, so so as re- goofy as you may look, wear it. Yeah. yeah and retail example, Abby, is that I'm just today, my wife went to the grocery store and she could not get inside if she didn't have a mask on. Wow. So that's what, good. And that's what I'm trying to tell the young people. The world is changing so fast, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what happens now is that after this, they're, they're going to have massive... When you hear the talk on the news about massive testing, you're going to have now a series of where you would have to go somewhere and get your blood tested or get the test done eventually. All of us, before we enter back into what the normal world should look like, whatever it looks like, will have to get tested. And then we're gonna, that's where the tracking, the mass tracking is going to be on. And so... If you don't want to wear a mask right about now, in some places, there are already fines and legal laws being written for people who are not using protective measures. So, like I'm trying to encourage young people, you may want to be rushing to get back out there, but they ain't ready for you yet. Laws are being written in, 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 in um, assemblies and, and Congress to monitor and track and mitigate so we don't get this space again. And that may impact your life thereafter. You may not be able to go around until next year without a mask. You may not be able to just go and, and socialize as you can. That is why the NBA and um, the the games that, that we're missing can't unanimously come back to a place yet to say we're going to reopen. They just can't. Yep, yep, definitely. So we're at the top of the hour, and I have some announcements, but before that, I'd like to hear from both of you. So, Abby, 
I believe you had mentioned that you have some just public service announcements that people should really know about. And can you just talk about that for a little bit? Um, I'm sorry, hold on. Um, I'm trying to think, what were they? Oh my God, AJ, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, testing sites. That's what we were going to talk about, right? Yes. yes. Okay. There is a testing, there's COVID, as they're calling them, COVID hotlines. Um, one is coming from Hartford Healthcare, which is affiliated with Hartford Hospital. And then another one is the Trinity, also known as St. Francis, but Trinity Health of New England now has overtaken St. Francis and they have other facilities as well. But they are both providing um, hot COVID-19 hotlines. You can call them. You can talk to a live person. If not, you can leave a message. They will call you back. They will screen you over the phone if you have questions regarding COVID. If you think you have symptoms, they will go through everything with you and they will let you know whether you should be tested or not, or just quarantine and um, check your temperature. If they do suggest that you are to be tested, they will let you know where's the nearest place you can go, um, where they have testing sites. They will advise you to sometimes go an hour early. Um, the site that I went to was over by St. Francis. And even though I worked there, I still had to fall in line just like everyone else. And I was there from 730 and testing started at nine. And they are doing 50 tests per day. So that's why they do ask that people um, get in line early. Um, at that point, we were all waiting in our car. I'm not sure if they're still doing cars or they're having people walk up. But like I said, just call the hotlines. If you have any questions for yourself or even of your loved one, if you're concerned about someone, call them. They will guide you the proper way. And you just have to bring a proper ID, either license or ID. You do not need your insurance card. You cannot get tested without calling these people because they have to put the order in. So that's very, very important that you call ahead of time. All right, and the numbers are on the screen as well. So be sure that if you have questions about COVID-19 or you feel like you have symptoms, be sure to call those numbers. All right, Al, let's hear from you. You have any things that you wanna announce or promote? Absolutely. So um, as you see on your screen um, there, um, starting next week, I'm going to host um, a few Zoom sessions and some of them will be also um, on Facebook Live. So I'm doing a series called Between Hurting and Healing. And that's where the world is right now. We're either in that middle ground. We're trying to find our freedom in the midst of hurting or healing. Some people are still hurting. Some people are getting better. And in all of that, you know, we have to try to find our freedom to continue to live this life we have as long as we have breath in our bodies. And so I'm gonna do some Zoom session. It's not gonna be counseling. It's gonna be more of um, fun activities to, to build up our um, emotional health around what's going on. So um, it will be activities that you would never imagine. I have a host of um, activities. So if you're a pastor, if you have young people that you work with in the school, or if you are in the social work field, or if you have your own child, right? Um, you can just, when the link goes out on the website, um, it will be on the Church of God website and also on my personal website, on my Facebook page, I Empower. 
If you want to find me, you can go on Facebook and search I Empower, you'll find me there. And you can just like the page and then you can see all of the upcoming things uh, to get the notifications. And so, so next week, starting next week, um, AJ and myself are going to co-lead some of these sessions as well. And we're going to talk about hurting and healing. How do we find freedom? And also, it's going to build our own. So don't come think you're going to be in there just like crying your eyes out. No, we're going to we're going to talk about some of the, of the tough stuff, but we're also going to have fun doing it. And you'll see the dynamics, how it really helps. So I have a whole, a lot of resources that fun stuff and games and activities to build around these topics as we navigate together um, in this social platform. All right, thank you, Alric. And I just wanna promote a few things as well. So the CBL, cblcogop.org, that site is our leadership development site for Church of God of Prophecy. And we have a free course that's now available to youth leaders and those entering into ministry. It's called, Yes, Responding to God's Call. Now, this course is absolutely free and it's open to all to take. So if you're interested in this course, go to cblcogop.org. You can see the link as well on the screen. And we'll be sure to put the links for um, Abby's information, Alric's, and this information also in the comment section as well. Now, I want to also point out that on... April 24th to the 26th is Global Serve Day. So the International Youth Ministry of the Church of God of Prophecy is having a Global Serve Day. So on this weekend, from the 24th to the 26th, we want to find ways to serve our family, to serve our church, our local church, and to serve our community. Now, even in the midst of this pandemic, there are still ways in which we can serve. So I'm encouraging you to find ways in which you can serve. And if you want to learn about ways in which you can serve, be sure to go to globalserveday.com to find out some more information. And for myself, the one way in which I will be serving during that weekend is using my technical skills and expertise and abilities in live sound and live streaming and in technology to help churches, to help ministers, and to help those who are interested in doing live streaming. So I'm gonna be doing free consultations on that weekend. And if you're interested in free consultation, that's if you want to do Facebook Live, Zoom, Microsoft Teams, YouTube Live, Instagram Live. If you want to learn how you can utilize the technology today to begin to stream your services or to begin to have interactive, interactive sessions with your congregation and others, be sure to reach out to me. Go to ajdailyreach.com and click on booking. That's ajdailyreach.com and click on booking. So I just want to take the time to say thank you to Abby, the nurse, and Alric, the school counselor, for taking the time to talk about COVID-19, the pandemic that we're facing, and how we can deal with it during this time, and encouraging us to stay home. Thank you guys once more for joining. I really appreciate you guys coming on. I appreciate your expertise, and I appreciate your encouragement. Before we end, I'd like to end in prayer. Alric, could you please just read a word of prayer as we end this episode? And so, God, we ask you, Almighty God, for wisdom, God, because, God, your word declares that your people perish because, God, they lack knowledge. And so, God, we have opened up, God, this avenue, Almighty God, to, Almighty God, allow your people, Almighty God, to come in contact, oh, God, with knowledge, Almighty God, that will help them preserve, oh, God, their faith, their health, Almighty God, and the lives of many other people around them. Yeah. I pray, Almighty God, that wisdom will prevail above all, Almighty God, and that you will give us, Almighty God, the courage, oh, God, in this season, 
the team or flesh, Almighty God, from being disobedient, Almighty God. Let me come in alignment with the true will of God that we, Almighty God, should be people of obedience in this season. So God, even God, as the young people, God, go through this transition period, Almighty God, being locked in their homes, oh God, I pray, God, that the creator and the creative, oh God, in them, God, will, and the inventor and the inventions, Almighty God, in them will come alive in this season, God. May they write books they never dreamt of writing. May they design products they never dreamt of designing, God. May they tap into, God, the creative power that you've given them in this season, Almighty God, and Almighty God, impact the world where this is all over. I thank you, God, for the visionary, Almighty God, of this movement, oh God, AJ, oh God, and I thank you all God for Abby, oh God, as she's out here, God, in the front line, God. I pray, oh God, you just cover her, oh God, as she go forth, and God, heal and rescue God, those who are hurting out there in the world. I thank God for having us in this moment, God, and we give you glory, God, that those who obey God will truly, Almighty God, see the fruit of their obedience. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, guys, both thank again you. for taking taking time to participate in this panel discussion, and. For everyone else on Facebook Live and YouTube Live, we will be back next week to continue the conversation. Be here and be, uh, be and join the conversation and take part. I'll see you all next week. God bless. Thank you. Bye. Stay home, everyone. Bye, guys. That's right. Stay home. <laughs> Good night. Good night.